Thank you for joining Breadcrumb Theory, a modern-day podcast navigating the digital age. We are your hosts, Melissa Schwass and Eric Shear. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to what are we on? Episode eight of Breadcrumb Theory. So uh, closing in on a milestone for us, which is exciting. Very exciting, and this is something we we enjoy to we enjoy doing. So um, we hope you enjoy listening. For sure. So we thought we'd change it up a little bit today. And, uh, you know, Melissa and I are, like I said, huge fans of, uh, you know, what's coming down the pike in the future. And, and, and to that point, uh, huge fans of science fiction. So we thought we'd do something fun today and talk about one of uh, uh, our favorite movies, uh, which is... Dun, dun, dun. Well, you can tell them. <laughs> Ex Machina. That's right. So for those of you who haven't seen it, um, it's been out for a few years now. I think it was made in, correct me if I'm wrong, 2016, but uh, I'll double check. 2014. 2014. Yeah. See, I need to be double checked. Thank you. Uh, it's all good. It just, I, I cringe a little bit because that, that was six years ago. So it just reminds me how fast time flies. Right. It's not so. Um, and if you haven't seen the movie, then spoiler alert, we're going to talk about all this stuff. So uh, um, if you if you don't want to know how this movie goes or it's on your list, uh, you should probably not listen to this episode. But on the other hand, if you want to uh, kind of understand some, some really cool stuff that's actually not that far off, this movie does a really, uh, you know, it's science fiction, but it does, it's very interesting um, kind of, uh, ethical and I don't know what else would you say about it kind of for me I, I think we talk about science fiction in a number of our episodes for so for me I thought it was somewhat realistic of what could happen right if we want to go down the dark path of AI um, but it's just it kind of opens your brain for the possibilities of what the future could look like and how the Turing test will work and will robots really be able to manipulate us? So for me, it's kind of interesting to just dive down that rabbit hole. Yeah, for sure. So really what it's about is robots, artificial intelligence, measuring artificial intelligence, which is what we refer to as a Turing test, and in this fictitious setting, um, how those things interplay and how they are going to affect us uh, in the near future and how they already are affecting us in the near future or in the present day. My God, apparently I need some coffee. Uh, you know, it's towards the end of the week. I think yeah. one big item it talks about too is data mining because data mining and, and data storage is how we program robots. And I'm just going to go jump, go ahead and jump in Eric, if you don't mind. No, please. So in, in the movie, there's a lot of parallels to real life, of course, right. As, as a lot of movies have, but the search engine the programmer uses, and now I can't recall his name. Uh, who is the primary programmer? Uh, is Caleb it Nathan? Is his name in the movie. So Caleb wins the the prize to go see Nathan at his house to see this mysterious robot. But Caleb, they're hinting, works at a, a huge uh, search engine company, which is Blue Book. I think that's what it's called. Yep, Blue Book in the movie. And what I think what the ethical premises here are is that Nathan really uses all the search engine queries and data storage from Blue Book to program this robot. So there's some ethics there for me. And if you want to get philosophical, we could go talk about this the rest of the episode. 
but he, he kind of hacks Blue Book and really social engineers and technical technically engineers Caleb to think that he's some special person that just won this gift or this prize out of nowhere. But really, Nathan really had Caleb targeted all along. Right. And so he and that social engineering is another another portion uh, of the movie. So you know, Nathan being this kind of reclusive uh you know multi-billionaire uh you know tech giant uh you know used his own technology to to you know hunt for the right person for his tests right so uh as the main character caleb in this this chance thinks right that he won kind of this special prize to spend a a, was it like a weekend at nathan's house and evaluating his this robot that he's built right and and you know you don't find this out when you as as you know like it kind of comes to a head, but um, definitely kind of shows you the the scary portion of you know how much data that we put you know put out into the internet right put just put out there um, our data is not our own so you know companies like Google and Facebook they know everything about us um, and we give it to them willingly right. Um, what do you call it, Eric? Freemium? Freemium, right? You're paying, but you just don't know you're paying. That's why data property rights, you'll see that become more popular in the future. Um, one interesting plot is that Nathan lives in the middle of nowhere. And Eric, I'm not sure if you've heard of these Google uh, conspiracy theories that Google had these shipping containers off the coast of California or somewhere. And and in here, everyone was thinking Google was building AI and these shipping containers because if it got out of control, you're contained. And so it was kind of, for me, when I've heard that conspiracy theory, I paralleled it to Nathan's house because he lives in the middle of nowhere and his basement is ultra secure. But I guess at the end, he's really not able to secure this technology. So it goes to show that, hey, maybe you can try your best to keep things off the internet and secluded, but you can't really do that. So now we've kind of set up Caleb and... and and Nathan, uh, and so, you know, Caleb is really there to evaluate Ava, which is his AI creation, right? And AI, and he's he's there to kind of test uh, using like a Turing test, which is, you know, a way of, of, of thinking and problem solving that can, you know, if, if a machine were to pass it, if an AI construct were to pass it, it would make it sentient, uh, I guess would be, for lack of a better term, you know, almost you know, able to think for itself without being just, you know, running problem, uh, programmatically. So Caleb is interacting with, the, you know, his this robot. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, he, he becomes, you know, to have feelings for it. He really decides that, you know, that uh, Ava is, is, is pretty sentient. And they, there's, I don't know if you would call it, he falls in love with her, but he definitely, uh, you know, pretty human in the movie to me it seemed like he fell for her or at least he's in lust with her and as we go through the movie obviously he gets introduced to ava and nathan this entire time is manipulating him so social engineering him to really create the scenario of course it backfires on nathan we'll get to that point in a moment but it's interesting as caleb goes and and builds this relationship with ava he almost loses control of or he almost loses perspective of who he is and he starts questioning his own being his his own own human being and so it begs to differ that as we evolve 
technology and, and AI and robots really become prevalent, is that going to happen to us? Well, and that's kind of at the, at the end. So we'll get to that piece, which was it comes down to kind of the overarching, like the end of the movie and what it means, right? So as we, we look at this relationship, Nathan confides in Caleb and basically says, you know, you know, we're going to pass this test and this iteration of AI, you know, eventually when it, when we're done here, I'm going to, you know, destroy or deactivate or, you know, erase her, her mind wipe and, and for the next version of, of code, so to speak. And so Caleb, uh, knowing this doesn't, you know, he's become attached. So he were, you know, him and Ava come up with this plan for, for, for them to escape together. Right. So, um, but like you said, it backfires, it backfires on everybody. Um, because what we really find out is that Ava is more sentient and more capable than either Nathan or Caleb understood. And that leads to a very interesting ending of the movie uh, which if you want to talk about that, I'll let you let you <laughs> spill the beans on that. All right. It's huge spoiler, spoiler alert. So obviously Nathan, the social, social engineer, the scenario where this programmer, Caleb, comes in the middle of nowhere. Um, think Google shipping containers off the coast of California to do the Turing test for Ava. And long story short, Nathan meets his demise and Ava kills him. And then ultimately, Caleb gets locked in the basement. So he's there pretty much left to die. And it's a huge cliffhanger that Ava's leaving the house. And I think, was there a helicopter there at that point? And she's there to, to roam the free earth. So Eric, I have a question for you. There's the four levels of AI and the third and fourth, the third and fourth final level. The third is theory of mind. The fourth is self-awareness. So which level do you think Ava sits at in the AI model? Well, and that's kind of where you're left to think about, you know, at the end of the movie. And I would say that she was, if not level four, then very close to it because she was able not only to take the, the, the programming, so what Nathan told her to do, but then she created a completely secondary objective about what she wanted to do. So she knew, so if she were to, to fail and not be level four, being fully sentient uh, and, 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 and what have you, then she would have let Nathan just deprogram. De she would have done the manipulation. She would have seen that it worked and she would have done everything that was asked of her. And then at that point in time, she would kind of just uh, sat there even waiting for further instruction or maybe it would analyze or whatever. But the fact that she didn't want to be destroyed uh, and the fact that she duped both of them, you know, killing Nathan and trapping Caleb says that, you know, she, she, she was, you know, was probably at the highest level. And I think the story, because given the end of the movie kind of sees her in society blending in with humankind. And even Nathan kind of talks about this in the movie, which is eventually we're going to be replaced by something else, right? Or we're going to evolve into something else. And as such, you know, no nation ever withstands the test of time, no one person, no company, no technology, and it's always moving and evolving. And at some point, we're going to become obsolete, right? And I think the imagery or the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the message the directors were trying to get across is that Ava is that next iteration of humankind. And we can go off on all kinds of stuff on what that means for us as a, as a, as a species and as, you know, near, near science fiction 
gets into. And, uh, but I think, I think she was there. I think, I think, uh, I think she was self-aware and completely self-reliant and, and not, she didn't need any outside input, right? She was able to make her own decisions and make her own destiny, so to speak. Hmm. That's interesting. Before you said that, I thought she was at level three theory of mind. She knew how humans would react, but she didn't necessarily have her own understanding of her own feelings and thoughts. But when you said she knew she didn't want to die, that is a difference between three and four. So four self-awareness Four, you know, three would be, she knows she wants something, but four would be, she knows why she wants something. And so, all right, maybe you've persuaded me. Maybe she was at the full level four. Right. And that's, but it's not necessarily, it's not cut and dry. It's not clear, but you could argue it either way, I, I, I guess. But yeah, in my mind, I think she was self-aware. So, Do you think the movie left kind of like a spooky remnant for people to think like, oh, wow, like it kind of came off spooky at the end and they had that huge twist. Do you think that's what everyone thinks AI is going to be like in the future? Yeah, I do. I think that that movie kind of demonstrates our fear of what AI could be, right? Anytime we get into movies where we have sentient robots, um, you know, think The Matrix, think Terminator, think, uh, you know, Ex Machina, then that some something apocalyptic is going to happen. Um, and that, you know, the nature, and that makes a lot of people's frame of mind when they ever hear the term AI as, oh, this is bad, right? Or this is going to lead to the destruction of the human race, or they're going to steal our jobs. And, and, you know, but I think that, you know, that's what that movie plays on. Now, what I think it also shows is the potential of AI and what it can be. Um, and obviously, we, we would, I mean, she looked human, like the skins and everything else that she had, they kind of made her look robotic and, and but there were very human features. And I don't think you'll see that for a very long time. But I, what I think you will see are more AI, you know, interacting. And as, as, as we bring it forward, there's definitely going to have to be a council or some kind of governing body that lays out the framework for what you know what we you know what AI can and cannot do if we ever get to that level, and I it, it's it's science fiction at the end of the day, but it comes with a, a valid warning. I I still am a healthy skeptic, and I'm not sure if we'll get to robots being self aware now no. when when computers start prog- programming themselves, which they've seen already start to happen. That could change things, and I do agree. The robots we have now that are formed in the shape of humans, they look rather fake. But I think Japan's actually on the cutting edge to change that because they're trying to get a robot in everybody's home. Um, And so it'll be interesting. But right now, if you see an automated robot and it looks like a human, it's pretty evident. So, you know, Ava had one step ahead of everybody else. She looked pretty human. Oh, for sure. And I don't think, you know, that is going to, that's not near future to me. But what I I do think when we when we examine kind of like some of the concepts in there are what are we as people going to be like in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years with this technology, right? And so I think AI, and we've talked about this, we had a whole episode on the things that AI is going to do. It's going to displace a lot of things. Um, but but I think if we, we delve into kind of some of the things that it's it's going to be able to do is... And there are other movies that, you know, we can talk about this, but it's going to affect how we, we do a lot of things, right? And so 
I think more near term is we're going to see machines and with robotic arms with that perform functions and they're able to learn through, you know, uh, their programming how to best complete those functions. So we may see things from like robotic surgery is one that's up and coming that's already here um, and being fleshed out. And I think it'll be um, in just a few more years before you start seeing uh, you know, robots perform basic level surgeries, right? Where it's very kind of step-by-step -step and procedural, right? We won't need uh, a surgeon for certain things, right? We'll need surgeons to oversee and we'll need the surgeon to do more advanced surgeries. But as these, you know, uh, you know, as machine learning matures, as AI matures, as the robotic components and the hardware matures, I think the ethical questions become you know, one, we're displacing people who normally did those jobs. And then two, what's the potential for abuse, right? What happens sure. if somebody hacks one of those robotic surgeons and they're working on, say, the president of the United States, for instance? I mean, like, so there's 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 new solutions and there's new a whole new host of problems that come with some of these new technologies. And I think watching movies like this are fantastic for getting you to think about the what ifs of things and but also examine what's possible and what's you know what's just right around the corner you know i think so often we think about the negative ramifications of robots or ai and you know elon musk i'll use him as a guinea pig you know the man doesn't sleep so, but he's warned people for years that hey this is a big deal it's going to happen and it's going to displace humans and you know it comes off as rather doom and gloom but i think we often overlook the positive impacts of robotics and automation. and But I mean, to your point, it's going to mean that legislation has to hurry up and meet technology. And we know they're, they're decades behind. And so fingers crossed they make it because, you know, it's society's going to look completely different. But one thing I want to point out is, and this is an ethical ramification of the coders who build this technology. If you think about it, Nathan, the person who programmed Ava lived in the middle of nowhere. He programmed essentially Ava by himself. And that's not realistic to what's happen, happening in everyday life. We have teams and, and leagues of people building this technology, but at the same time, they don't look like everybody else in the world. So there is an ethical dilemma that certain demographics of people, uh, typically white males, are the ones building this technology. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that evolves because facial recognition is gonna be big. Um, how we interact with each other is gonna be big. But I just wanted to point that out. Nathan built this himself. That's not really realistic. No, no, that's, you know, millions of lines of code. And, I, you know, they uh, movies always do a fantastical job of, you know, showing, you know, how these people build, you know, these, these things. I mean, it just, yeah, no, we won't go there. <laughs> it takes teams of people many many hours to uh to build these systems for the most part but um yeah no there is a lot of bias they talk about that in a lot in facial recognition software and you know when you're programming for you know these types of things what are people's biases and how do you you know how do you combat that or how do you combat bias especially in today's day and age um you know and that's why you know these things, I mean, they start making you think. You start asking these questions. You go, well, this is why diversity in the workplace is important. This is why we need women in, in, in STEM, right? So we can balance out uh, all the different biases that people have, and we can come to more of a, you know, we solve better. We solve problems better that way. We 
we come up with better solutions and we come up with, uh, I'd say, less biased uh, or, or at least balanced uh, uh, balanced software. Because if it was in the hands of just one person or a small group of people, then, yeah, who's to say that how they programmed it is the right way to think about something, right? And these are these are why you're going to need a governing body. I mean, all of these things are are uh, have huge ramifications and you know, you're not going to see them yet, but eventually you're going to start seeing them. And it's, you know, it's, it's in your lifetime more than likely that we'll have to start answering these questions uh, for real. Yep. And as much as we want to educate ourselves or be quote unquote woke, we all have implicit biases. So that's why to your point, it's important to have a diverse technical field, which I think many companies are striving towards, but here's a million dollar question, Eric, would you have a robot like Ava inside your house? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I knew. I like to think it would be like Robin Williams from Bicent- Bicentennial Men. Right. <laughs> Bicentennial Man. Maybe we should have reviewed that movie. It was much more uplifting. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, if you look at all the great science fiction films, and we can talk about some of these specifically, but like you, uh, and, and books that we've read, but I mean, you know, a lot of them have to deal, uh, deal with, uh, kind of AI and, and, you know, androids and that stuff, you know, Blade Runner, that's a big one. Um, the Matrix talks about, I mean, some of them are dystopian. Bicentennial Man was more of a utopian spin on it. Like, you know, they can be super helpful. And a robot uh, that's, you know, probo, you know, if you think about your robot vacuum, if you have a Roomba, I mean, I was super skeptical when I bought that thing. I tell you, like, it's part of the family. It's the dog. And then just below the dog is my is my <laughs> robot vacuum. Like uh, I love that thing. Um, it has a name, and we you know we talked about home automation. I've automated it to run on a schedule. It, you know, it's those types of machines, those kinds of robots, and you can give them some intelligence to understand maybe not your moods and complex human emotions and things, but you know they understand tasks maybe really well, or they're able to you know see that. The floor is dirty that the dog's been running around and because of the weather, they know it rained. And so it's time to clean, right? And so it doesn't run on a simple schedule. It runs when it needs to run. And it knows that by, you know, uh, by understanding, you know, how much traffic is in the house, what your pets are doing and all of those. And it calculates the best and most favorable times to, you know, clean. It's that's where it's going to come from, right? It's you're going to your decision making is going to go away when it comes to those things and it's just going to figure it out for you. And that's exciting. You know, that's the the promise of technology, which is I'm going to make your life easier. And so you can focus on other things, right? It's not going to displace uh, everybody and their brother. It's, it is going to create a benefit and the smarter they become, the more helpful they become. And when they get to a, a level where, you know, we're asking, are you truly sentient or not? That's a you know that's that's a ways away, but in the in the near term, the way these the AI gets programmed, the way it learns, the way it does the you know the the tasks that it's designed to do, um, are going to make it very easy. So you don't have to think about it. Think about it if you're your eighty year old grandmother, right? She doesn't want to learn technology. She just wants it to do its job and help. She wants to talk to her kids. So if you can through a basic setup, uh, you know tell the robot, what you want it to do. And it just figures out this is what you want to do. And this is how I interact with you. Then those people don't have to learn a new skill. And, you know, God forbid when I'm 80 years old, if I make it that long, 
you know, all this stuff that I think is so cool in technology, I'm probably going to think like, I don't have, I don't, I don't want them to put a microchip in my head so I can think to my vacuum, my robot vacuum to clean. Like there's just going to be a whole nother set of things that we, that we have to do. So if we can take complex technologies and make them simple for people to use, whether they're robots or machines or, or, you know, software or what have you, then I think, you know, that's, that's kind of the immediate promise, which is, wow, this takes one task off my plate that I don't have to worry about. And I can focus on something else, whatever that is. Hey, fantastic. Look, if the robot cleans my toilet and does my laundry, I'm, I'm in, I'm right. sold. <laughs> Sign me up. Right. That's yeah. If I figure out a way for it to grab all my clothes off the floor and do all that stuff. Yeah. That's a winner all day. <laughs> <laughs> And then occasionally play fetch with my dogs because let's be real work sometimes gets out of hand. Oh, but that's easy, right? That's just, you know, it's got a little vacuum, sucks a tennis ball up, got a little ball launcher. You can do that. I mean, all day. That'd be awesome. No one needs an Ava to play fetch. Just make it yourself. Right. But I mean, they are, I mean, so that's why we like, I love watching sci-fi though. I mean, at the end of the day, I love looking at these movies because one, you kind of go, that's not that far off. And, uh, you know, it's not so fantastical. It's not Star Wars, right? Where it's, you know, set in a, in a relatively modern time, but that's not so modern that it seems implausible, right? It's, it's, it's there. It's just a few years away. And we've seen time and time again in science fiction that a lot of these things actually come to fruition, right? They, they come to exist and uh, given enough time. And if we, you know, it's fun to think, if you look at my great grandmother, for instance, I mean, she came over to Nebraska on a covered wagon. Electricity didn't exist. Cars didn't exist. Airplanes didn't exist. She lived to be 104 year, uh, four years old and wow. saw all of that invention. And I mean, like you need to talk to her and she was sharp as a cookie until the day she died. Like it's just, it was just an unbelievable and amazement, like how all this stuff works. Like, that just came into existence. And I feel like with the pace of technology today, this stuff's not that far off. It's, it's going to come. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. It's, it makes absolutely no sense for them to stop developing this technology. It's right around the corner. And here you are, Eric, we're worried if you're going to make it to 80 and your, your great grandma was 104. I think, uh, I think you have a long life ahead of you. Well, that's the other thing. Uh, so one of the other movies and a spoiler alert, if you, I'm going to make you watch this movie because I want to talk about it um, the next time we do one of these episodes, which is the hotel Artemis, right? I told you about it the other day. Um, So that one deals with some very near future tech. That's even more right around the corner um, that I think is an excellent representation of kind of, you know, things that, you know, how medicine is going to work, how certain ways of communicating are going to work and, you know, the movie's pretty good. It, it, you know, it, it's, um, I liked it, but, uh, I think the, the, the technology and the, the kind of dystopian future it paints is, is worthy of a, of a show. I think it, there's some fun stuff to talk about in there. Awesome. Well, if you're listening, join me as we, as we watch hotel Artemis over this next month, cause we will be doing this monthly, uh, just to break things up, be a little bit more lighthearted, Plus, who doesn't like a good sci-fi movie and, and thinking about random ideas and what, what the possibilities of the future look like? I personally love it. I know, Eric, you love it. Um, and so join us as we review Hotel Artemis next month. 
Yeah, for sure. And if you have good suggestions or uh, want us to uh, review a movie um, or talk about the technology in a movie, we would love to hear your suggestions. So uh, by all means, please let us know in the comments. Absolutely. Check us out on social media, our website, subscribe, give us a review, join us as we closely approach our 10-episode our milestone. And until next time, thanks, everyone.